Hi, welcome to Scattered. We're a group of friends from the same church who are serving God in different countries and we're meeting online to chat through books of the Bible, chapter by chapter. We'd love you to join us. Hi everybody, welcome to Scattered. Um, We are still looking at Timothy, 1 Timothy. I say still, we're only in chapter 2. So the kind of big idea of 1 Timothy so far is Paul is writing to his kind of protege or I guess um, disciple, Timothy, who is in Ephesus, leading the church there. Um, and He's writing to encourage him, um, especially to stay where he is and to keep going, uh, even amongst some pretty difficult kind of uh, false teaching that's come into his um, church. And yeah, so we've gotten up to chapter two this week. We're going to look at the first seven verses. And there's a bit of a shift of tone now, um, because kind of before Paul has been kind of encouraging Timothy to keep fighting, uh, keep waging good warfare, um, despite everything. Um, and now he's kind of moving into instructions for public worship. Um so if you look in verse one, it says, first of all, then, um, or at least one version says, therefore. So how does this section, guys, my first question for you is, how does this section link to what Paul has been talking about before? Yeah, so it's it's helpful that we have just the chapter, chapter one in the back of our minds, knowing that um, he's charging Timothy to stay there and um, confront these false teachers. And then it sort of flows from him trying to get him to stay there. Then what next should he do? Um, mm. so in, yeah, so it gives him a kind of flavor, like a backdrop of what's going on. And then this is like an instruction for the next things for him to do. So I feel like it's almost a little bit like Paul is saying, okay, you need to do this. You need to do this. You need to do this. And this is your first weapon, prayer. Um, As you wage the good warfare, your first thing you need to be doing is praying for for everyone so that they um, either come to faith or don't make a shipwreck of the faith they may already have. Yeah, that's really good because we talked a little bit last week, didn't we, about um, the kind of... I guess, the kind of weapons that Timothy has in this warfare. And yeah, that links right into this. You're right. The first thing he mentions is prayer. Um, Like, how does he encourage him in this passage? Like, what is he encouraging Timothy to do, especially in this passage? Timothy and his church, I guess. Kind of looking at verses one to six. And and I guess, why do you think that's so important? Um, I guess the prayer is... A big prayers that then would create a big vision within the church and so it's really interesting isn't it that he wants him to pray for all people and so I think that is really foundational what we mm. pray for dictates what we're excited by what we're um, passionate about and so rather than just praying for small things in that particular part of the world he's encouraging him to pray for all people so I think he's he's trying to, Paul's trying to set a big vision, isn't he, in Timothy and in this church, that what we pray for massively impacts what we're passionate about. Yeah, and then the, in verse two, he asks Timothy to pray and others to pray for those who are in authority. And um, 
I think that's really helpful because the reason he t gives for them to pray for kings and the people who are in authority is so that they can live this quiet and peaceable life in godliness and reverence. And so it's, it's asking that their rulers might lead them to actually be able to obey God and live godly lives. And it would have been interesting, wouldn't it, at the time, the, the kings um, and all who are in high positions wouldn't necessarily have been seen as friends. I mean, I personally don't see the prime minister currently as my friend, uh, but uh, I'm, like they wouldn't necessarily have been on the same side. They would have probably been seen as enemies or at least, um, yeah, difficult people. And so he's like, we're, pray we're supposed to pray for all people, including those in the authority over us and potentially your enemies as well. It's probably worth taking that flow of thought, isn't it, all the way through? Because it is that the leaders would create order and stability so that um, we can live godly lives. But then if you follow it through into verse three and four, that's because that's pleasing to God, whose agenda is people to be saved. And so actually peaceful, quiet, ordered lives enable evangelism to happen and for people to be brought into the kingdom. And that's the thrust, isn't it, of the um, sentence structure, that that pleases God, because what's, what's the main thing on God's heart is for people to come to know him. And so I think we can stop, can't we, too soon in that sentence structure and think, oh, God just wants us to pray for quiet, easy lives. But that's only in order that we can then bring people to him. And he makes it really clear, doesn't he, how we must be saved. Like he doesn't really give us moving space for, oh, you can be saved like this and this and this. He illustrates it really clearly that actually there is one God and there is one savior, Jesus Christ, um, who's for us. So it's really like, he's probably again, speaking against some of the false teaching that's happened and saying that this is the only way. So kind of our prayers, like our, the way we pray should be in, in line with who God is. I find that really striking. You know, God is a God who cares about, you know, the all people. How do you think it teaches us? What do you think this section teaches us about how churches should do corporate prayer? Because I don't know about you, but I've been to a lot of churches in my life where the prayer section is kind of um, a list of maladies um, or, you know, just a few kind of internal difficulties in the church. Like, how does this help us when we come to corporate prayer? I think for us, um, how we do our Sundays is a little, looks a little different here. And I've, I really was convicted that actually we miss out quite a lot by like we do the things that he asks like supplication prayers intercessions giving thanks but we don't on a weekly basis pray for those who are in authority and pray for people around us to be saved um and we were very i've been i was convicted actually we should get into the habit of um 
praying for those who are in authority and praying for those around us, just not only for their sake, but for our heart's sake, you know, because it increases our vision for who God is and his, he is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and the ruler of all the rulers in the world. And so it just increases our vision of who he actually is. And I wonder if it's a contrast as well with the people in chapter one that are all about controversy, myths. You know, it feels like the church has splintered into little cliques that are just concerned with their little obsession. And actually hear Paul saying, no, the church is the place where we pray big prayers. We reconnect ourselves with our big God who has a big vision for his world. And we're praying that all people will be saved. And that sort of outward focus away from our own small concerns, which do feel big, don't they, to us in the moment. It's just so good, isn't it, for reorientating our hearts that we have a big God who cares about the whole world. And so I guess one fallout from that would be on a Sunday morning, we need to be praying for different parts of the world, don't we, than our, for us, our small part of East Manchester. Not that we shouldn't pray for that, but that actually that shouldn't be all that we pray for. So yeah, that was what struck me, that we need to, be reflecting our big God's vision, don't we, in the way we pray. And also I think yeah. these verses speak against sort of praying narrowly in terms of only praying for people that we like. <laughs> I've said it before, but, you know, like praying for people that you don't necessarily like or get on with really does change your heart towards them, as I think it changes you on the inside as you're asking for things on their behalf to our big God, um, yeah, I think it really helps us to love our enemies uh, in a way that I suspect the rest of our lives we do not. Um, so we've been kind of throwing around this phrase, all men and Jesus being a ransom for all. I don't know if we said that yet, but it's in the passage. Um, and I guess... Yeah, it could be confusing to some. I mean, um, I didn't, I wasn't actually going to go into this, but the commentary I read really went on and on and on about, yeah, the John universalism Stott. and stuff. <laughs> yeah, John Stott. I know, I love, I love John Stott, but I felt I didn't, I must admit, I didn't actually read it all. Um, all respect to him. Um, but anyway, what what is universalism, guys? And what are your thoughts about this? Because it, you know, it you could read this passage and say, oh, well, God wants to save everybody, so surely He does. Like, what are your thoughts on that? So I think um, God does want to save everyone because in a lot of places in the Bible, He says that quite clearly. Um, but whether that means everyone is saved is another thing. This is such a hard topic. I feel like it's quite painful for all of us because for all of us, we have family and friends that we love so, so incredibly much. And it's just quite painful talking about this topic. Um, mm -hmm. And I think when, when, we, when, we, when we come across this topic, there's, you have to be reminded of the character of God and that actually he is good. Um, and he loves to save so much that he sent Jesus for us. Um, yeah, because some, some people like to use these verses, don't they, to 
to justify the concept of universalism so everyone will be saved but even within that there's a few different parts to it so some people would say all roads lead to god some would say everyone um will be saved in the end uh some would say whether or not that's through jesus some christians would say somehow through jesus all will be saved but i mm. think the, the verses after where he talks about all men um he says there is one god so that does away with the all roads to lead leads to god um and there is one mediator between god and men jesus christ who gave himself as a mm. ransom all and if you look at other parts of the bible um you will see that paul doesn't think that um somehow through jesus all will be saved you can just see even in um in romans 11 he says um about the jews you know he he is laboring in the hope uh, romans chapter 11 he's laboring in the hope that he may somehow arouse his own people to envy and save some of them so paul's assumption is not everyone will be saved even though god desires everyone to be saved now that opens up a whole new can of worms doesn't it on like the greater will of god is it that uh people have free will and can choose him or not or is it that he his greater will is that he be glorified um i mean it's a whole big barrel of trickiness but i think if we look at this passage and try and just wrestle with it in this particular passage we've got to look at what all means and in that first section that we've just looked at about praying for all people none of us presume that each sunday morning we need to sit for hours upon hours whilst we pray for every individual person we we read that don't we and we instinctively know that means we should be praying for all different types of people and i think but then we when it's used again a few verses on we want to apply a different meaning to the word all and so I think it's helpful for us to understand what all means. And we all instinctively understand that in the prayer section to mean all different types. And so I think we can just apply that logic into this section. And God's desire is for all different types of people to be saved. And it's a, another example, isn't it, of God's big heart for all the world. And, you know, it's three times in the passage that we hear all. Um and then Gentiles in the last verse, again, is used as an illustration, I think, of that same point that God's not just come for a small section of Jewish history, but for all people through all time without meaning every one. Yeah, I think I, I, I would agree with that. I think the point of this section is more to say that the gospel is available to all freely rather than everyone will be saved. Mm. and and it was, it's helpful having just read chapter one like obviously we've come across a couple of people that have made shipwreck of their faith and Paul is wanting and pleading for them or you know wanting them to come to know the truth and be saved and so this is like a it's not a granted it's people have to trust in Jesus Christ and uh, believe that there is this one God and one mediator between us and and him. This is the same Paul, isn't it, that's been all the way through Acts 
he's he's preached the gospel to everybody he comes across to all people but some people have accepted it and some people haven't accepted it and some people have hardened their hearts and some people have put him off so let's remember who's writing this like we we know what we know about paul is he's really keen to share the gospel with everybody with all people but he's also very painfully aware that not everybody accepts it and not everybody um mm. believes yeah and why yeah, we thanks, don't know guys. that's really helpful <laughs> we'll find mm. out one day when we're in heaven yeah. <laughs> yeah so i was reading okay so moving kind of towards that's the seven um i was reading this and i was like okay paul why do you suddenly talk about yourself again like he's kind of saying for this telling the truth i'm not lying a teacher of the gentiles in faith What's that about? Why is he highlighting his credentials again here? What do you think, yeah, that bit's about? I I guess I thought uh, about a couple of things I was look, as I was looking at this verse. Um, you know, he's just explained, hasn't he, about one God, one mediator who gave himself as a ransom for all. So he's just explained the gospel there. And he's saying to Timothy, this is the truth. Like in the context of what he's talked about in chapter one, he's saying, this is the truth. Um, I am not lying. So either he, is he responding to criticism from these false teachers who have said, it, you know, Paul doesn't like, he's not telling the whole truth. You know, that's just his truth, his part of it. He's saying, no, I am telling the truth. I am not lying. And also, I thought maybe it was a way of encouraging Timothy, you know, I have not been and I never will lie to you. Um, I have not been lying and I never will lie to you. What I taught you at the first is the truth. And you need to hold fast to that. Paul is, I wonder if he's highlighting his credentials again, because he is he wants to say this is this is how I have the authority to say this to you by this I think he's referring to the the you know Jesus like his testimony of Jesus for this I was appointed a preacher and apostle a teacher of the Gentiles so I think I don't know I think he's just highlighting this is my big thing and I want this to be your big thing as well as as you guys come into corporate worship this is the big deal like, I guess this leads into my next question, which is, you know, he, I think Paul thinks this is really important. Like he, at the beginning of our passage, he says, first of all, and, and then he goes on to encourage them in prayer. Why do you think he starts here? Yeah, in the commentaries I read, um, the first of all is not, it doesn't refer to a time. It doesn't say like, oh, first thing you do when you meet is to pray like this. It's not about like, this is the first thing in an order of service, but actually the first of all is a, a first importance in his heart and mind mm -hmm. that actually this is the first, this is a really crucial thing for us to do um, as yeah one of our tools of warfare and i guess like mary like you said earlier who we believe god is and how we believe god saves really impacts how we pray doesn't it and paul i i love the the, sec, the whole vibe in this section that there's an inclusivity of him wanting to get the gospel out to everybody 
but there's an exclusive nature to that as well and that there's only one god there's one mediator and it has to be through jesus's sacrifice that people receive that salvation mm. so paul wants it to go to everybody he's so inclusive in wanting everybody to hear it but actually the message is exclusive and quite clear and it, it's so important that timothy sees that isn't it and doesn't stray from the the work mm. of jesus and you know, even the fact that it talks about there's one mediator between God and man, the man, Jesus Christ, like only Jesus could be that mediator because he's the God man. And a mediator is somebody mm. that stands between two parties to bring them together. And Jesus is the only one that can do that because he's the only one that's both God and man. So he can bring us together to, with God. So I think mm. the really central doctrines, aren't they, to understand the message that Paul's given his life to share and to preach and that sort of big vision for everybody needs to come to God this way. It's really important, isn't it? In the church that that's the God that they're praying to and that's how salvation's accomplished. It feels like by him saying again, who he is, it feels like, I can't remember which book of the Bible it is in where he says, uh, look with what big letters I'm writing. He's like, this this is really important I guess where well, which kind of leads into our next question like what what struck you about this passage um like obviously he's writing to Timothy and in in the light of Timothy sharing this with the church and kind of it shaping the church but I guess in a wider sense that's meant to apply to us not just corporately but personally yeah what struck you yeah I shared, I shared a bit earlier on about how we haven't really been doing all of the different aspects of um especially in in particularly praying for our, our leaders um and then probably not ex as extensively for the people around us so um yeah you, you guys can keep me accountable that as we're shaping our sundays with a new group of people that um mm. this will be a key part of that yeah, I felt really challenged by that as well. Um, in the next month or so, I'm going to be going back to my country of service that has new leadership. And I just realized that I have just not been praying for those in authority. I've been praying about the political events, but I think not very specifically for the leaders. And I, I think probably not praying for the leaders to come to faith, to be believers. Um and I, and surely that is going to be the best thing for the nation. So yeah, I was really challenged to to get on that this week. I think I was just mm -hmm. challenged by God's heart is to go out, isn't it? And God's heart is for people to be saved. And it's so easy when you're in church ministry to be consumed with Christians all the time and with making sure that people are yeah treating each other well and that you know that our church community is healthy whereas actually Paul just never drops does he that that the heartbeat of God is for the lost and for people to be coming to know him and to experience Jesus as their mediator that brings them to God and yeah I've been challenged reading that this week that it's so easy to to shrink our world down to the, the church that we're in or the 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 people that we find easy to hang out with, whereas the yeah our prayers shape what we're excited by, don't we? And praying big prayers is God's heart. 
Yeah, I think on our prayers being shaped by who God is, like, do I, when I personally come to pray, like, not just caught, like with other people, but when I personally come to pray, do I really think, like, how would God shape my prayer right now? Like, is, is my prayer kind of, because obviously he loves it when we come to him with an open heart and we're honest um, and everything. But then how often do I think, like, how does God think about this person and how, does God think about this this situation in the sense of like, yeah, in a sense of it not being so much about me, but about his that his big picture in it. He wants all people to come to him. So yeah, next next time I think we'll be looking at the rest of chapter two. So yeah, looking forward to, to seeing you guys then. Thanks for listening. Bye. 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 I won't wear my pearls next time, yeah. <laughs> Or, or braids. Your, if you could cover your head though my friend i'd appreciate it i've got braids i've broken all the rules <laughs> so you juliet we should have known <laughs>